Welcome to episode 57 of the Empowering Ability Podcast. You are listening to the Empowering Ability Podcast and making expectations for what is possible for people with different mental disabilities. Here is your host, my brother, Eric Today, I bring you this bonus episode from a video I recorded uh, to help bring you additional insights and learning on how to create the best life for your loved one with a developmental or intellectual disability, an elevated life, and helping us to elevate expectations for people with developmental or intellectual disabilities. And in this lesson, I might have been using a whiteboard or referring to a drawing or a graphic that you will not be able to see in this audio. Uh, So if you hear that, uh, that is why, because it's shot in video. But nonetheless, I think there's still a lot of value that you can get from this lesson. In this lesson, I helped to break down the myth that we have to accept what is offered by kind of your typical organization, typical um, agency organization around the typical placement and coverage model and work to share with you that there's another option, which is the option in community. And uh, I get into talking about how to think about this and how to create a vision for your loved one that's best for them, that's optimal for them and how to do that. So let's get into it. Here's a lesson. Hey there, Eric Bell here. Thank you to all of you that watched and commented and sent me questions about the last video uh, on how to create and deepen relationships. Uh, It was really exciting to see the engagement with that, that video. And today I'm here to talk to you more about the vision that we all have for our loved ones with an intellectual or developmental disability. And I know you want the absolute best for your loved one with a disability, and I want the absolute best for my sister um, who has a intellectual um, and physical disability. And I want the best for everybody that has a intellectual or developmental disability. I want to help them access the good things in life And I want to help your family along that path. And I mean, it's really obvious that we all want our loved ones to have great uh, relationships in in their lives and not just paid relationships. So reciprocal and and non-paid relationships. Um, And we want uh, our loved ones to be able to experience those good things in life. We want them to be able to have uh, a loving home. We want them to live interdependently and not just be reliant on us, but, you know, just like all of us, to be interdependent, so reliant on other people in our lives, many other people in our lives, and living collaboratively. And that's an exciting vision, exciting um, idea that that I'm bringing forward to you and wanting to put in place. And also to help our loved ones to create a meaningful life for themselves. And uh, we want people to be there for a loved one when we can no longer be there as well. And so really to sum it up, uh, you know, the, the vision that I have for our loved ones with an intellectual or developmental disability is for them to have a happy life, a 
a full life and a life in relationship that isn't completely reliant on us and at least not forever and there's going to be some work that we need to do to to make that happen so that there's full lively vibrant relationships in our loved ones lives and i know that we can make this happen because i've seen it with my own two eyes i've seen it with my friend sam i've seen it this transformation happening for my sister and i see it happening with the young adults that i work with um, on a weekly basis and just want to briefly share with you a story of a young man that I work with, uh, Nick. So if we look at, at Nick's life going back, you know, even just to, you know, a short eight months ago to the summer. And uh, Nick was a, a part of a, a program which he quite enjoyed and he, he would go there and, you know, be there with, with staff and other people with um, intellectual or developmental disabilities and you know they would play games and, and do other things kind of uh you know i'd say campish like and um, a segregated environment and um you know so that's what nick's life uh looked like living with mom and dad as well and uh, started working with Nick about six months ago, and his life has undergone a, a huge transformation. If you look at Nick's calendar today, it's filled with going volunteer, doing volunteering twice a week at a food bank, and, and helping at a to help set up for a seniors uh, event on a weekly basis. It's working towards getting a paid job, so Nick's on the the cusp of, of securing paid work, which is really exciting. Every Saturday, he's involved in a community park run, which he loves, and he's formed a role as a, a tail walker, right, making sure everybody, nobody's left behind, and really, you know, fielding a, a valuable role for that group. And Nick's on the, on the verge of having his own home as well. So really a massive shift in, in Nick's life. And, you know, if you look at his calendar, his, how he was spending his time just eight months ago, uh, to now a massive, massive change. And, and I think the key to that change, the fundamental pivoting point um, for Nick and, 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 you know, for my friend Sam and for my sister and for all the other people that I'm working with is creating this life-giving vision. And I want to talk more to that. But before I do, I want to circle back on an, an idea that I spoke about in the last video. And Dana actually left a comment uh, on that video about the idea of investing in relationships. And Dana really felt that that was an important, important point to stress with our families. And so I want to talk about this idea of investing versus consumption. Now, I was fortunate enough to, um, have a, to spend some time with David Hasbury. And this is something that, that David really stresses the idea of investment versus consumption. So I'm gonna start with consumption. So consumption of resources, of support, of energy, of funding being consumed. So when, I want you to think about consumption in terms of placement and coverage. So what does placement and, and coverage mean? Well, it simply means a place to go and someone to watch over you, someone to cover you, right? So. Think the traditional uh, ways we've been schooled around what's available for our loved ones with a disability. So we're talking group home, we're talking a program, 
we're talking uh, a day program, uh, a life skills program, right? So those are the things that we're talking about in terms of placement and coverage, a place to go and someone to watch over. And the idea of placement and coverage is sold to us because it's efficient. So we group a bunch of people together, we segregate uh, people with disabilities away from everybody else, and we have uh, one, two, three, four, five people look over them. So we, we look at it and we say, oh, that's an efficient use of, of money because now it's, you know, there might be three people with disabilities and we're only paying for one staff to a three to one ratio. And it's also efficient because it's easy. It exists. I can just pay for that thing, right? And as a family member, if our loved one has care needs, someone else will take care of those care needs and I can do the things that I need to do, like go to work. So I completely understand that. However, I want us to think about what is the result that we get from a placement and coverage model? What's the result we get from a group home? What's the result we get from a day program? And that result is relief for the day, right? So they have something to do for the day, and then the next day we start off in the exact same spot. So it's a consumption uh, of your resources. And there isn't much that results from that. So there isn't much in terms of skills gained in terms of life experience, trying different things and seeing how the world works. There isn't much of a result uh, in terms of new relationships built. And if you compare it to investing, right, it's a, it's a poor investment because it doesn't yield any returns. It's like investing in a junk bond. So you put that money in that bond and, you know, you're lucky if you get back what you put in it. So uh, to give you a, a parallel in terms of you know, investing. So you're not getting anything from this investment. Now, the other option that I want us to consider is the path of community. So the path of community is exploring an individual's interest, what they're truly interested in, and doing that in typical and ordinary places. And I spoke to this in the last video in terms of building relationships. So this provides a great opportunity to build relationships with other people that are interested in the same things that you are, right? And the story of Nick, it leads to uh, exploring paid work and getting paid work. It leads to volunteering. And this is really an investment, right? Because we're seeing some dividends from it. We're seeing if you get, uh, if we're investing that support, those resources in exploring paid work, then yes, we're, you know, the, the return on that investment is a paycheck. That's a, you know, a tangible dividend. It might be in the way of contributing as a, in a volunteer role, which gives person uh, you know, meaning to their day, meaning to their life. Uh, the investment in relationships, right, which yield further dividends. Maybe you know, because of those relationships down the road, you're no longer paying for support because your loved one's doing that in a non-paid relationship and enjoying that activity with somebody else. So think about uh, the path of community as the path of investment and the path of getting a return on your investment on your resources. I also want to tell you that as families, we've been sold a false bag of goods. Uh, we're, we're schooled and we're, we're sold on the idea that this placement and coverage model that exists, so again, somewhere to, to go and, and someone to watch over us is 
the way to go. And that's, we're, we're told that that's the only option. We're also have this false belief that it's the safe option, that our, that our loved one will be well looked after, well cared for if someone's paid to look after them. But what the research actually shows is that people are more vulnerable when they're in this placement and coverage model because they're, the people that are looking after them are simply paid. That's the only connection that they have to these individuals with disabilities versus the community route, the relationship route, where you're in relationship with someone that truly cares about you, right? So we're talking about the difference between someone being paid to care and someone caring because they love that person and they're in relationship. And love is a lot more safe than somebody just pay, being paid to, to look after someone. So there's, there's a big fundamental difference there. And I wanted to point out that false belief that, that's sold to us as families. So I really strongly tried to make the case here to, to help you to choose the, the route of going down the path to uh, investing and investing in the community and exploring a person's interest. And this is not an easy path either because it takes energy, it takes work, and it takes a while to see any results. So it's a long-term strategy. We might be doing it for a while before we realize any results. So it's not an easy path by any means either. So I've made my case to the path of community. Now, how do you go do this, right? Sounds great, but how do you do it? It really all starts with vision. And I'm going to give you a quick crash course on vision to get you started here. Now, why do we need vision? Vision can kind of sound fluffy or it can sound, oh, that's for people that are, you know, just into personal development and just care about themselves. I'm going to tell you, no, you need a vision to know where you're going. And I want to give you a, a metaphor, right? So think about a, a surfer on a surfboard. And, you know, maybe it's a new surfer. They're a little un, unsure, unsteady. They're just get, they're getting up on the board and they're maybe, you know, not the best of control. They're not, you know, surfing and carving the waves yet. They're just kind of riding them. And this kind of new nervous surfer is looking looking forward and they see the beach over here and they see the rocks over here. And if that surfer stares at the rocks, they're going to end up on the rocks. If they stare at the beach, if they look at the beach, they're going to end up on the beach, right? They're going to take a step off their surfboard into that soft sand. But if they stare at the rocks, they're going to head at the rocks, right? So it's all about, in your mind, being able to think about where you're going. And if you're able to see where you're going, you start to walk in that direction. And that's really the importance of vision, right? We're very visual creatures. We have to be able to see. We have to be able to envision what that life could look like in your mind. That's why I, I told you the story of my sister in the last video. That's why I told you the story of Nick in this video to, to help you see that other people are creating lives like this in community. And now you need to be able to do that for yourself, right? Because your loved one with a disability doesn't want the same life as Nick. They don't want the same life as my sister, Sarah. They don't want the same life as my friend, Sam, that I mentioned earlier. They want their own life that follows their own interests. 
So how do we create this vision, right? So I'm telling you it's based on the individual. It has to be based on the individual's interests. We can't just copy and paste Sarah's life and give that to your loved one. We need to think about what your loved one truly wants for themselves. And there's a concept that I want to share with you, uh, which Michael Kendrick spoke about on my podcast, uh, which is social role valorization. So this is a, a social theory created by a man named Wolf Wolfensberger. And Wolf uh, created this theory to help people that are devalued and marginalized by our society to create more value roles and become value contributing members in our society. And it's a proven way to, to do that. So a key concept from social role valorization is called the culturally valued analog. And this is super important. Now, culturally valued analog is simply what would the average person of the same age typically be doing with their life? So on the podcast, Michael Kendrick gave the example, a six-year-old, what would they typically do, be doing? Well, they would be going to school and they'd be in the role of student in a, a typical classroom. What would a 25-year-old be doing in our society? Well, a 25-year-old would be typically furthering their studies or they would have a job, right? So that's what the culturally valued analog is. So it just gives you a frame to look at for your loved one. What would a typical person of that age be doing with their life in society? And using that as a frame of reference, rather than just looking at, well, what is the disability version of that? Or, you know, what have we been sold as the only options for our loved one? A culturally valued analog opens up thousands of options for your loved one to live an awesome life and to explore their interests within that. So when, you know, when I was working with Nick and his family, we started to think through what were, you know, the typical ordinary things that, you know, a, a young man of Nick's age would be doing in their community. And you know, according to what are Nick's interests. So it was really starting with deeply understanding Nick and understanding what Nick's interests are, uh, what Nick is good at, and what are the things that Nick wants to try. And looking at, you know, with those things, where do those things happen in typical, ordinary community? And we looked at all the different areas of Nick's life or different domains. So uh, an example of, a, of domains of our lives are things like career, home, family, friends, leisure, health, finances, just to give you a, a starting point, right? So you can kind of take all those domains that are important to that, in, that individual, what their interests are, and write this big, bold vision for what life could look like in each of those domains using that culturally valued analog. So what's typical, ordinary, normative for a person of that age in our society and create a big, bold, optimal vision for that individual, just like we did with Nick and his family, to create 
a vision for what that your loved one can live into. And I want you to think big, think, think five years out and think to the point of, oh, I don't even know if that's possible, right? That's the point of thinking that you want to get to because we underestimate what somebody can achieve in five years. And we overestimate what somebody can achieve in the short term and one to three years. So we can often be disappointed by not achieving our goals in the short term, but we realize that we can blow past our five-year goals in three years, four years, because we're not thinking big enough. So I want you to think five years out, think really big. And this will be a great starting point to creating that vision. So it creates that North Star, it creates that marker out here for you. And you can see it, you can visualize it. And as you visualize it, you start to take steps walking toward it. And that helps us move forward into that life. And I want you to think about optimal life. Now, I'll often hear from families, well, with their disability, they can't just do that. And they can't do that because of their disability. I often hear that a lot from you know, my family as well with my, with my sister. And you're right. If we don't believe that our loved one can do that, then they can't because we will place those low expectations on them and we won't give them the opportunity to do that thing or to live into that dream or to to chase that vision. So we have to really hold high expectations. We need to elevate our expectations of our loved ones so that we can they can live into that vision, they can live into that optimal life. We need to have those elevated high expectations. And when we do that, it gives our loved one the opportunity to live into those expectations. And we need to to be those champions. The other thing that I that I hear from families is that, you know, we don't have the the money or the support to do this. Well, I'm going to argue that it really isn't going to cost you much or cost you anything to create this vision, right? It's going to take some time and some thinking and, you know, some pen and a, and a paper, which isn't going to cost you very much to, to start to do this thinking. And, you know, and you've already invested the time to, to watch this video. So take the next step and, um, and start to think about what this vision is. Don't worry about the how. You don't need to worry about the how right now. Just create that vision. Set the course first. And then after that, you can start to pick some small steps that you want to take and figure out the how to those. The other thing that I want to add to vision is it's great to do it in a group because one mind is only going to come up with limited ideas, limited possibilities. But when you have multiple minds and the individual with you, you can create many more ideas, many more possibilities and a much bigger, grander vision. The other beautiful thing about that is when you do that visioning process with people, they'll start to roll up their sleeves, right? And, you know, offer up, oh, I could help with that. Or I'm interested in that same thing. Maybe we can try that together. So when we talk about doing this with other people, we start getting into the topic of personal support networks. And this is a question that I've been getting asked about a lot. So I've created this mental model of personal support networks, and I'm going to share it with you. But you're going to have to sit tight. I'm going to share it with you in the next video that'll be coming. Uh, soon in a couple of days and I'll talk about uh, that mental model of personal support networks how to start building a personal support network how to build out a personal support network and then how to maintain how to utilize how to you know get a support network fun functioning 
So I'm excited to, to bring that to you, but keep an eye out for that video coming soon. And I would love to hear from you. So, I mean, thank you so much for, for watching the video and I would love to, to hear your comments. So in the comment section below, uh, drop me a comment there and I'd love to have a conversation with you. I will reply to your comment and um, I'd love to talk about this stuff. So uh, any questions that you have as well, put them in the, uh, in the comment section. And thanks so much for watching this video. Um, I'm excited to, to continue this journey, this work, and together, let's continue to elevate the lives of people that have disabilities. <laughs>